Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coffee with Convery. I am your host, Brian Convery. Coffee with Convery, it's an intimate, upfront, and personal coffee chat with some of the most amazing, intriguing, and inspiring students and young talent I have met over the years. Their collective stories have inspired me, and now I want to share those stories with you, with the hopes that you might listen, learn, and also be inspired. My guest today is Ryan McQuig, a passionate, vibrant young man who I met back in 2016. Ryan received a BA Honors Specialization in Political Science from Western University and is currently enrolled at the Ivy Business School, focusing on a Master in Science in International Business. Welcome, Ryan, to the show. Why don't you go ahead, Ryan, and share a little bit about yourself and tell the audience a bit more about you. Yeah, absolutely, Brian, and thanks for having me on the show. Um, as you mentioned, I'm an MSc in management student specializing in international business at Ivy, and the journey to get here has been uh, nonlinear, to say the least, which is one thing that you and I were talking a bit about before the show. Um, but it all started with RBC. Uh, I had been a student at Western studying political science and was interested in the macro and global affairs, uh, but I got bit by the business bug by a few of my business roommates at the time who got me to do an options trading contest and we, we didn't do so well. Um, turns out that you do have to know something about finance <laughs> in order to, to win an options trading contest, but uh, it did get me interested in business more generally and finance in particular. So I started doing some research. I started working a few roles in business, starting with sales and eventually working uh, some sales with TD. And it was the summer of 2016 when I had applied to maybe 200 places and among them was RBC Group Insurance uh, in Toronto. And I had gotten uh, an interview and I found out afterwards that I wasn't even the most qualified person that uh, had applied, but the person who had taken a shot on me, um, Richard Smith, who works for RBC and is someone who I hold near and dear to my heart, said that I was someone who came in really passionate and enthusiastic and willing to learn. And so he took a shot on me. And through that, I got my first start in business. Uh, I, through that, would later work for RBC again as a student ambassador during the year and then eventually in New York with RBC Capital Markets. Um, and then that propelled my career in business. So currently, I'm just finishing up my master's here at Ivy. Uh, I'm going to be going to work for a firm called Key Data as a consultant specializing in cybersecurity when I graduate. And Thanks. I'm still working for the Navy part-time doing intelligence and business strategy in two separate roles. That's amazing. And it is interesting how, you know, that nonlinear path for our listeners and students who might be, you know, in first year or second year and kind of scratching their head and where should I go and what do I do? Uh, your story is one of the most inspiring ones that um, I've seen and been able to be a part of. So I, uh, I'm super excited to have you on the show today and we'll, we'll just keep going with the conversation. Uh, one of the things I like to chat about too is some like kind of rapid fire fun questions. So um, why don't we start with a few of those? Um, Let's do it. What is your favorite most used emoji? Okay, I, I think the laughing emoji is cheating because uh, everyone, I think for the most part, has that as their top emoji. But the, the one right after that's the hard eyes. I'm a pretty upbeat guy, constantly showing enthusiasm for like what people send me. So the hard eyes have to be my second used emoji. Okay, you're the first hard eyes on the show, so I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you could eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? If it was a single item chicken, it is the most versatile food. But if it's a prepared dish, nothing beats a good chicken fried rice to me. And I've been in search 
of good chicken fried rice every time I go to a restaurant. So that's that's my top choice. Keep it simple. <laughs> that's awesome. And you're right. Chicken, you can do it so many different ways, right? So it's not limiting. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. Uh, favorite way to spend a day off? I mean, uh, pre-COVID, uh, I, I definitely would have said the gym, but it's still working on myself in some way. So whether that's the gym, like working out outside right now, or a course or a project, I like to work on myself in some way when I have some time to myself. That's super inspiring too, right? Like taking that time for you and um, and feeling good about it. Great, great answer. That's awesome. Uh, do you hit the snooze button or wake up immediately? <laughs> Uh, when I'm working out consistently, I wake up immediately, but I, I have to confess that since COVID, I've been hitting the snooze button a little more often, probably getting up around eight or nine instead of the usual five or six. So depends on the time of year. <laughs> okay. I was going to ask you the time for workouts, but you answered that too way before when I wake up. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite word? Ooh, interesting. Uh, I'd say buckets. Uh, a lot of people in my program have made a note that I say buckets a lot because we do a lot of structured learning at Ivy. So I'll put things into different buckets and categorize things. It's just easy way to try and understand the world when you put it into these nice little buckets. <laughs> I like it. Buckets. This is, hey, also, Ryan, you got basketball. some. I'm quite the hooper. Yeah, hey, there you go, too. Exactly. <laughs> so. You know, your transition, your journey, as I said, has been, you know, one of the reasons why I truly wanted you on the show because of uh, all the things you've done and all the initiative you've taken in your to drive your own career and in your own life. Um, and, you know, to be honest, we're catching up today, you know, from a, from a couple of calls a while back and and it's been a while since we've connected, but I wanted to see like yourself, thinking of the audience, um, making that high school to post-secondary to work, uh, to uh, back to school, to the Navy, you've, you've taken on quite a bit of different um, paths. So could you talk a little bit about, and you did start to talk a little bit about your journey, but a little bit more about your journey. What were those transitions like? And, you know, is there any key lessons you learned along the way? Yeah, and Brian, I'm really happy to to cover that. And I think the transition points for me have always been uh, particularly interesting because I, I seem to fly by the seat of my pants and end up in totally new environments every few years. But uh, maybe to highlight a few, I'd say uh, deciding to go to Western was definitely a big transition for me. Uh, getting bitten by the business bug, as I mentioned earlier, working for RBC, uh, diversifying my work experiences once I came back and then do my graduate degree at Ivy. So I'd say those were the main transition points. Um, in terms of how those uh, have played out and materialized, so uh, I'd say when I went to Western for the Honor Specialization in Political Science program, um, that was a huge transition for me who had taken two years off of school actually before I started to pay for school. Uh, I was someone who always felt a little nervous asking for funding from my parents and you know, I didn't necessarily have uh, all my financial situation figured out, so I'd worked uh, full-time at McDonald's for two years. Uh, and while I was in high school, I used to do overnights at McDonald's. So that was, uh, that I, I had spent a lot of time working in customer service and then having a few sales jobs during those two years to help me pay for school. But once I had that figured out and went to Western, Western opened up so many doors for me as a school that's really about the on-campus experience and about campus life. So every student there, for the most part, 
uh, is coming either from somewhere international or coming from the GTA. There's not a lot of necessarily London locals at Western as much as there are other places. So everyone here is kind of off on this journey and experience and getting to meet new people. So it was through those business roommates uh, who all were in the HBA program uh, who I met in the first year who kind of inspired me to go into business. And so that's, that's what initially got me into all of this. But uh, as I mentioned, we had that trading experience, the business bug bit me, uh, worked for RBC, and working for RBC was a huge catalyst and one that has a continued effect for me even today. Um, really ingrained certain ethics in me uh, from early on. So, uh, sorry, just one moment here, Brian. Um, can we pause? I'm going to try and enter a quieter room for a second here. Sure. I think, uh, I'm getting slung out. And now we're off. Um, so again, working for RBC was a huge growth opportunity for me for a few reasons, but uh, aside from the actual work I was doing, which I found really interesting, uh, helping both alleviate the team workflow and optimize a few inefficiencies, uh, using some standard templates or using VBA to automate a few things for my team. Uh, aside from that, one thing that I really picked up at RBC was um, the networking culture. So RBC is a really flat organization. Uh, everybody's willing to have coffee with you if you make an honest effort to reach out. Uh, so I was networking probably five, six times a week, and my team was really supportive of me exploring the rest of the firm and meeting as many people as I could whenever I had free time. Um, in addition to that, they also have a lot of internal learning platforms. So I took a whole bunch of courses on finance and on other things I was interested in on trading through RBC's internal platforms. So I spent a lot of time learning whenever I had free time or a break. So through RBC, um, I had kind of cut my teeth in business and really started to develop a passion. And then through meeting you actually had a, had a group coffee session, <laughs> we ended up hitting it off. We had a great conversation and I had mentioned that I was interested in capital markets uh, because that initial trading experience and a lot of what I was studying um, had to do with global affairs. And I talked about uh, my interest in working in New York in particular. Uh, so I didn't necessarily expect for you to come back to me with anything. There wasn't uh, any sort of formal agreement or anything like that. You just called me a few months later and said, hey, uh, I recommended you for a first-round interview with RBC Capital Markets in New York. Um, it's not a guarantee of a position or anything, but good luck. And so with that, uh, I ended up just crash course, met a whole bunch of people at my university who were in finance to help me prepare for finance technicals and learn as much as I could for the interview. And I ended up getting extended that opportunity. So that's what really shaped my business acumen and uh, propelled me into a career in business was working for RBC Capital Markets. And since it's given me a really unique perspective on business and on consulting for the projects I've worked on, um, because I come in knowing how to analyze business, how to analyze macro and understand how the markets work. So one of the best experiences I've ever had, and I learned so much in such a short amount of time that summer, but coming back, um, I started applying those business skills to other contexts. So I was working for a think tank at my university and was doing some research there. So I was working as a political risk analyst for a few years and then helped them with their business development. Uh, I'd also joined the Navy that year. Um, <laughs> several reasons for that we can come back to, but uh, I joined as an intelligence officer. So understanding the macro, the big picture, and piecing it all together, something you learned with RBC Capital Markets and was something that I brought back to the Navy 
Um, and then using my business skills, I started this innovation strategy team, which was an internal consulting group within the Navy that's helping solve uh, some of the problems that they have and that they're looking to answer. So that business experience carried over into everything else I was doing, uh, but I realized there was one thing missing is that for all the practical experience I'd gained, I'd yet to actually get a business degree. And so I went, all right, I wanna go back to school and I want to uh, solidify the practical knowledge I gained with something more theoretical. So I went to uh, Ivy as <laughs> a natural progression as a Western student would be to wanna go to Ivy for business. Cause uh, if you know anything about the Ivy brand, they're par none for uh, giving you a practical and uh, theoretical business foundation using the case method. And so um, here I am doing my master's degree, uh, use my leadership experiences to uh, be elected and help run the student union through a very, uh, I'll say, um, a very difficult time with COVID and a huge transition period with two different start dates for the program. So I've led them through a digital transformation restructuring project, just finishing that roll up and I'm almost graduated. So I have another month and then I'm all done. So that has been some of the wow. transitory points. And <laughs> as you can see, clearly a lot of different inflection points where things completely changed for me every year. <laughs> Ryan, I, it is so great to catch up with you and hear that journey and story. And I'm looking back in my head and if we were, you know, grinning in ear to ear and thinking about how much progression you've had in your career and your, in your, in your time since I last, you know, first remember having that conversation and you even helped out with our, uh, our, our video when we did a video clip on our first, uh, run at the RBC cafe and, um, we're part of that too, which was a fun day. Um, but yeah, you, I honestly, um, I hope for the listeners and for others to, to hear that is there is not a linear path to success. There is not a linear path to happiness. Uh, the, the path you take and the winded path you take, uh, you learn so much and I can hear the energy in your voice about what you've been doing. And that's really awesome. And congratulations to you. You know, um, I did want to say one thing, um, and I know now you're back in school too, is, you know, I often talk to students and I ask them like, what is one thing, you know, even today, maybe that you see, or maybe in your past, which you've, you've, you've done a lot of on the, on the job training and, and developing your own skill set, but. What's one thing you think maybe should be taught in school that isn't? Yeah, that's a really interesting question, Brian. Um, I'd say for me, uh, and maybe this is a bit of bias given my background here, is I'd say it's applied knowledge, right? It's that experiential learning, practical experiences that I think a lot of programs have become wise to, and I've tried to integrate that into the program. But in particular, when you look at master's degrees, like research masters, uh, a lot of them are very focused on teaching you theory and stats that builds on what you learn um, okay. in your undergrad. But uh, my master's degree is a professional degree program and is one of a growing uh, group of programs within Canada and abroad that are focusing on professional programs that help you actually build the skills while you're in the program. And that'll also shape your trajectory and interest, right? So I'd say within that applied knowledge, a subset of that, I'd say that a lot of people should focus on, a lot of education should focus on, is the role of technology and data within um, whatever program you work in, there's an impact of technology and data on almost every field. And it's usually not until the workplace that people start to learn about that or they start kind of figuring it out um, when it applies particularly to a task that they're given. 
But better understanding the realm of data and technology within any field, I think, is going to be something that every program should be looking to implement. And if they haven't already, then they're a step behind. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great insights um, there, and I uh, couldn't agree more on on the, on those concepts. It makes sense. Um, so, getting a bit more personal, uh, you know, talking about your journey and your experiences again. You know, students are facing all all different barriers and different things these days. Also, um, could you share with me, maybe in the audience, what's been your biggest challenge in life, and uh, how have you overcome that? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I'd say probably delaying gratification and you know being long term oriented is really tough, right? So, I made a lot of sacrifices to gain some early experiences and to focus on my career. Um, and a lot of that's been really tough when you have friends around you who are going out drinking or having a great time and not to say that you can't indulge now and again, but focusing on, um, the person who you want to be rather than the person you are today can be really tough when everyone around you is giving you every reason to just focus on today. Um, and I think that that was a really big challenge for me personally that that I had for many years at the beginning of university did not overcome that challenge. My first few years of university, uh, I did go out a lot and I did um, neglect a reading. I was very intellectually curious, but always had trouble with with tests early on. It took me a bit to kind of master uh, the university format to, to getting great grades. And now that's not a problem for me, but I had spent a lot of extra time uh, with my friends and hanging out and not focus on building upon myself uh, early on that I, I think was really difficult for me and it's very difficult for a lot of people to overcome. But what helped me overcome that was fitness. So giving yourself a structured schedule, um, focusing on tangible results that you can see. And then when you start to not see results, you start to wonder why and you get very intellectually curious about that if you're uh, someone like me. So I start looking into um, I start looking into nutrition science. I start looking into exercise science. I start better understanding methodologies. I start trying to get very uh, optimal with my habits and nutrition. And that was the keystone habit that shaped everything else for me. So overcoming uh, delaying gratification and overcoming short-term gains for long-term happiness is a continual struggle. And it's something that a lot of people uh, have cyclically um, struggles with, but I'd say if you're improving year over year with that and you're getting closer to some sort of goal or vision of yourself, um, that, that that's a huge plus. You look at the recent most consistent, don't just look at the daily fluctuations. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, hearing you and explaining that I can see that's, uh, you know, there might be others that are facing the same challenge, right? You, the, the peer pressure when you're young at school and and trying to balance that and maybe you're their first time away from your family or or what have you it's uh you know and then and not the going right for the the immediate gratification so some really great lessons in life um one thing too is um i i read this quote recently about yesterday's dreams aren't always today's realities and i know this past mm-hmm. year thinking about things that's that's probably impacted many obviously uh, but if you think about your journey i mean i've seen you doing a lot of different things and pursuing different dreams but how have your overall priorities changed over time? That's an awesome question. Um, and I love the quote. I, I'd say my original dream was really simple. And hopefully your viewers and you won't judge me for this, but I think a lot of people probably share this, is that my original dream was just to make enough money to be comfortable and to 
get a job that other people viewed as successful so that I didn't feel insecure, right? So I think a lot of people initially, when they're early in their career, when they're students without uh, a lot of tangible skills, your first goal is just to uh, get some stability and feel like you've made it. And I think that that evolves very fast. Once you start to get experiences and start to be valued in the market as someone who has something to bring, um, and RBC gave me a lot of that at the time, and you helped uh, shape my career trajectory by giving me an opportunity. Um, and so my goal in undergrad then evolved to continual growth and always improving each year. So every year I wanted to be in the next step of my journey. I wanted to improve my fitness. I wanted to get to that next thing, but eventually that does stagnate. And it was an MD uh, who is running this super day for RBC um, who said this to me that, eventually, like, you will never be the best person um, out there. Like, when you enter the workforce, yeah, maybe you're working for a top bank, but there's a whole bunch of other people at other banks who um, may be uh, better or top of all their classes and they're producing more. So you can't always look to be the best or to, to strive to continually improve in one particular area because eventually you will stagnate. So you have to have a motivation that underlies that. And for me now, um, my goal is to learn as much as I can to prepare myself to make a global impact. So through all my experiences, all the people that I've worked with, and now that I've achieved some stability and I've figured out um, some career trajectory for myself, I'd really like to accumulate as much knowledge as I can to continue to make an impact because the best opportunities that I've had and the best experiences I've had so far were ones that I actually got to affect someone else's life, ones where I built something up that made other people happy. And I think that that's a lot of what you do, Brian, is you love cultivating talent and building people up. And that inspired me and my career. And that's something that I want to do going forward. So that's my current life goal. Amazing. Yeah. The, thank you for that too. Like the, the impact to others at the end of the day and just being kind and all the things that somehow the last couple of years, I feel like we've been struggling to, to be that. Um, and in some cases it's nice to hear, um, your thoughts around that and, um, and, and what motivates you and what you're looking at for your future, which is awesome. You know, I often talk to, and we've had this conversation, you know, about sometimes people define themselves by what they do. Um, and, 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 you know, if I often ask someone like, who are you though, they'll lead with what they're doing or what they did or their job or, and in this case, um, again, trying to get more insights into you and for, for students who are thinking about themselves and how to talk about themselves and get those, you know, those job opportunities. Um, what I always say, it's really your values and your skills that matter most. Um, mm -hmm. and making sure that your values are in line with what you're doing. And so, you know, what, what, if I was to ask you, what would you describe or how would you describe your values and skills and how they've enabled you to be successful? Yeah, that's really interesting. And it, it all comes down to values. Um, and, and I think maybe a few of mine that would come to mind is there's a phrase that I always said to myself uh, that I learned a few years ago when I started my fitness journey was your attitude towards anything is your attitude towards everything. And what I mean by that is at any stage in my life, when I notice that, you know, for example, I go to throw something out in the trash and I miss the bin and it kind of falls on the floor, there'd be an urge to kind of kick it under the stove at some points in my life when I'm feeling really exhausted. Or, you know, maybe I wouldn't 
in the past have gone for a coffee chat with every person who reached out to me or I would have just gone home after a day of work. And what I notice is when my attitude towards any of those things started to dilapidate and I focus on the path of least resistance, then that spilled over into everything. You know, my workouts weren't um, as good as they could be. I was doing the minimal I could to kind of perpetuate the system I built for myself and to, you know, kind of do what I needed to do to get through the day. But when I had that future-oriented focus, um, it really shaped my trajectory. Um, so when I noticed that my attitude towards some small thing is not where it should be, I try and remember that phrase, and then I try and put effort into everything I do. And I try and make sure that my attitude towards everything is in alignment with one particular action, because it's the accumulation of all those individual habits um, and actions that, that becomes your behavior and becomes the overall output. It's not just one big thing. The other part to that is you make what you measure, right? So what isn't measured isn't managed. And fitness, again, was what got me into that is, you know, tracking my weights daily, not because the fluctuations every day pertain to whether or not you're reaching your goal, but it was the trend. And understanding whenever I worked for a firm, trying to measure the results and impact I had led to me not just uh, having these opportunities and going through whatever was planned, but focused on adding value and making an impact that I could measure, that I could explain to other people. And that helped me continue to move on into better and better opportunities as I grew in my career, uh, because I always focused on what measurable impact was I making, how were we measuring it, and does that measurement make sense to other people when it pertained to them? So when I'm on the MSC Association, what value did I add back to students? Well, we saved them $2,900 in tuition because we negotiated with faculty when the pandemic hit that there were cost savings from not having to house us in the international placements we had and that they should pass those back to students. So by measuring those things, we were able to actually manage them and achieve results. The final one that I wanna end with there is balance, which is a recent thing I've started to build in. Um, there's a Formula One car that recently won uh, as one of the best cars. And when you look at it, it's not that the engine was better, and it's not that it could drive faster than the other cars, but the differentiator with that car that went in 2018 and 2019 was that it had better brakes. So better understanding how to navigate the course by knowing when to stop and pause uh, and having a good brake system is just as important as having a good engine. So I'm someone who works really hard and has cyclical burnout because I burn the candle at both ends. But understanding that balance philosophy and making sure you have a good brake system is going to lead to better mental health, better long-term outcomes, and a more sustainable lifestyle that you'll ultimately feel rewarded by. Again, long-term focus over short-term gains. Yeah, some some great insights, Ryan. Um, you know, it's uh, listening to you and, and and listening to the analogies and the and the information you shared. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm taking some notes here myself. I, that's that's the beauty of networking and coffee chats and connecting with people is it's a two-way street and you learn something um and i learn something each and every time when i sit down with, with someone like yourself and um thank you for that um well i could i could go on forever talking with you and i i know uh that's really the time we have for today but i really do want to thank you ryan for joining me and for being such a great guest on the show yeah brian thanks so much for having me it was great just catching up and, and getting to do this. I mean, ideally, we'll have another coffee chat again sometime in the future where we can actually sit down and grab some coffee, but uh, this was a good <laughs> backup. Yes, we will definitely do that. I can't wait to see where you are 
and and then even the next few months. So uh, for the listeners, if you liked what you heard today, please share this podcast with your network and please to con- continue to tune in for more upcoming episodes. This has been Coffee with Convery and until next time, please stay well.